Stockholm's East Coast, Gothenburg's West Coast. And it's like... Okay. So it's like the Perth of Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more hipster, though. More hipster than Perth? Or yeah, way more Stockholm. Yeah, uh, okay. Stockholm could be pretty hipster, but... I was like, Stockholm seems, seems like it would be. Again, I don't know. Yeah, it is. I know... Well... I, on a scale of, of nothing to something, I know I know nothing about Sweden, so <laughs> I know I know where it is, but that's not it on the map. Yeah. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, how's it going on your end? It's going well, man. Um, finishing up the book that's been such an interesting endeavor, honestly. Mm. Um, just it, it's one of those things that just it's so continual. Like there's it's there's seemingly never an end. And, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like, you know, you hit all your major deadlines and then it's like, oh, here's another thing or, okay, here's these batches of pages. Please read over this or, hey, okay, last thing here. Okay, I want to check one more time. And I'm very grateful that there, you know, I, I do, because there are things that almost, there's been things at almost every stage, um, even like second pass throughs through mm -hmm. the editing team and um, through myself that it's just like, I'm really glad this got back to me because there was a, you know, there's a word that was chosen or something that just wasn't right or something I rethought. Um, like yesterday, for example, it was just like, we show these variations of movements and we had this like cable upright row hmm. and it had like the upper trap as like a main, like a primary sort of mover in that movement. And then it had sort of the medial delts as a secondary. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, this slipped by my, attention here like this should be a primary muscle group here and so little things like that and then like there's a you know the little there's a small cultural sort of language barrier which is so funny from like british english to american english to australian english to really any sort of dialect of english which is really funny but it's like that in i guess all cultures right mm -hmm. like some 90 dialects of uh, language in Africa, for example, like there's just, there's so many dialects of language and we, we all have our different spins on it, but the words that were chosen, um, to represent like words that were chosen to represent like the word exercise or movement. And it's just like, I don't like the way that sounds like, I just don't like the way that it reads. Like, can we change that? Um, and, and so I'm grateful, honestly, that, other it's it's been it's been this extensive because if it would have been published and kind of i would have had book in hand and i would have read these things i would have just been like damn it <laughs> you know like i could have i could have changed that um so uh, other than that though it's it's going well man just adjusting just constantly sort of recalibrating um as we go here as i'm sure you got you are you guys are and, and you are within your business and just within life itself, right? It's just such an odd time as we all know. And there's a lot of things that are on the table and then they're off the table in a matter of like a week and then you're good. And then something happens that correlates with what's, what's happening with like restrictions. And then, you know, you may sign a bunch of people up and then it's like, oh, wait, sorry, I can't actually do it because then I lost my job. And then now I can't go to the gym and I'm now, I just don't want to pay for coaching if I'm not at the gym. Um, and, you know, there's just all these different roadblocks that are sort of constantly evolving, um, which is just always an interesting sort of 
mental battle for me, at least I know it is for most, I would say for most, uh, admittedly for me, I'll say that and be honest, like I do battle with that. Um, you know, cause I'll feel like, okay, I got it together. Like, and I can just like, all right, this is together. I'm in a good spot here. Let me just move on. And then what I just felt like I had in intact is, is now in shambles. And it's just like, not really in shambles, but it's, it's, you know, that's now sort of, now I got to go back to the drawing board. Like, okay, damn, like, okay, now I got to do another push here, which then extends this deadline. And then it's just, you know, it's back and forth like that. And it's just like, so all in all, like we're doing really well though. And we're very fortunate and we're healthy and, um, you know, we got, we, we're in a nice little house and it's, it's good living, man. You can't complain too much, but there are those small things that seemingly become this thing in your life that, you know, we're all attached to, you know, we're all sort of affected by these things in our lives as we, I think should be, but then it's just sort of just being entangled in the, the recovery of why does this bother me so much, you know, and how do I separate this from that? And how do I get out of my own head here and, and all of that? So it's a constant, uh, every, every conversation we've ever had, I feel like I'm always, I always talk about this, right? It's just like, I, I'm always in my own head about everything. So <laughs> that never changes. Yeah, I think we're a little similar in that regard. It's, um, it's one of those things when you, when you think about stuff and you reflect on stuff a lot, then that stuff doesn't escape your notice sometimes. And so you like poke those corners a lot where maybe the light wouldn't have shone in those corners for some other people. They wouldn't have even thought about it. I don't know. It's just the way we are, I guess. But, uh, but I mean, I think you, you make a good point in there that like there's a real phasic nature to it. You know what I mean? Um, which is something that I talk about a lot with like my clients as well, when they've got shit going on in their lives or um, yeah, I want to track now, but I kind of don't now. And then I want to do this and I want to do that. It's like, Hey dude, you don't have to do the same thing all the time. And, and life's actually dynamic and you're dynamic. Like you're yeah. probably not the same person you were like two years ago. Um, so it's just super interesting how stuff is actually, it's like, it's phasic. And so you, you, you feel like, right. Once I deal with this thing, then I can pack it away and then I don't have to deal with it anymore. But the reality is that Which you is deal with not it. the truth, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it's going to come back again or whatever. Like there's going to be something else or yeah, you know, it's not an issue for you. And then three months later, it's an issue again, or I don't know, whatever it is. Like it's just how life is. Right. So I think it's, uh, there's, there's always going to be something. You're never going to reach that point where you go, cool. I got nothing to worry about now. I got nothing to struggle for or whatever. Like, it's just, there's always something. Right. And I, yeah, I like how you said, you know, again, I, I know we've discussed this stuff before, but it's, it's constantly reminding yourself that, that life exists within the mundane and, and life exists within that, the struggle of, of trying to accomplish what the, you know, what the fuck you want to accomplish. And that is phasic, right? That's always going to change and evolve. So like, your standards change too, right? What you expect of yourself changes. So what, you know, what, what I expected of myself two years ago, I've accomplished, which then it's sort of this, this moving target, right? So I, I speak on like potential, like reaching potential, like potential itself is a moving target, you know, like your, your self-evolution and, and your ability to set targets is almost predicated on a moving target right? That's the existence. That's, that's, that's the existence we live. And that's, that's the point of why we, 
you know, what we get to do in this very fortunate life that we, we live, um, especially getting to choose what we do, right, with our time and, and with our resources, with our intellectual property, all of that stuff. And, no, you know, no matter how much I know and say this, right, it doesn't change the fact that, um, you know, it's like Daniel Kahneman, who, you know, obviously um, has done amazing work. And, you know, even recently, I, I've heard him, uh, it was a it was in Sam Harris's new book, um, which is just a bunch of interviews. Basically, he's taken um, from old podcasts and old interviews from like live podcasts on stage and stuff. And basically, it's it's worth if you guys are if you're listening and you're very interested in like highly intellectual conversation that's deeply entrenched in nuance. It's a good audio book to listen to. I wouldn't necessarily want to read it, but listening to it is is stimulating nonetheless. So. But in that, um, Kahneman basically went on to say, because Sam was basically poking and prying at like, knowing, knowing more about this, right, would in, in essence make you better at it and, and a better person because of it, right, due, due to ethics or, or moral standards or the understanding of, of cognitive bias or ethical bias or whatever it is, right? And Kahneman just like straight up said like, no. I'm no better because I know I'm no better because I'm, I'm the, you know, he didn't say this, but like, he's no better because he's the world expert on cognitive bias. He still makes those, those biases and, and still has these biases towards every, you know, all things as we all do. Right. And so no matter how much, you know, you're, you're constantly at mercy of, of the reality of, of what it is and the reality of all things. Right. And, I think that's, you know, that's sort of what mindfulness and um, a daily practice of mindfulness and any sort of meditation has done for me has allowed me to like, as soon as I hit these patches of like, which is a daily occurrence, um, it's just a matter of when in the day do I hit it. It allows me just kind of take a step back and just see a bigger picture and then just pause for a minute. And it's like, all right. I know what's going on. I, I kind of, I understand where my head's at here. And this is, this is happening. And I just got to, what can I do here? Or what can I not do here to, to sort of make the situation better for myself today? Um, and everything's about, it, it, I, um, who was it? Jonathan Haidt, who basically, I'm going to, I'm not going to say the quote because I'm going to fuck it up. So, Basically, it was like, if you went on a hike, basically struggled through a hike, just, by, just so at the end, you could take your backpack off. If, if you went on that hike, just to feel the pleasure of taking your backpack off at the end of the hike, you missed the whole point of the hike, right? And I, that hit me so hard, because I'm just like, damn, if we're doing this shit for the pleasure of, of what it sort of ends up, what's the point? Like, why did I just spend all this time? Like, there's so much to be enjoyed within the, the mundane and the nuance and the daily struggle of trying to figure shit out, right? And hopefully you're moving the needle in, in a direction that it nets positive long-term, but that's never going to persist. And if it does, I think you're delusional into the sense of your sort of sh strategically shining lights in different corners at different times, right? I feel like I have reflectors in all walls and all, all corners are just kind of constantly open. Um, 
which is good and, and bad at, at all at once. So it's kind of just how you perceive it. Yeah, uh, totally, man. Uh, pretty, pretty insightful stuff there. I mean, I actually really like what you said about the cognitive biases because I did a, a little talk for Melbourne Strength Culture a couple of weeks ago. On, yeah, how'd that go, man? That, I saw yeah, that. it was really good, man. Um, uh, Lyndon did one as well. That was, it actually ended up tying in really nicely. <laughs> like we obviously That's think beautiful. about stuff pretty similarly, but um, it tied in really, really great with all of the talks actually, which was really cool uh love those guys they're, they're cool guys but um you know i was talking about these cognitive biases and how like we just need to be aware that we've got them and that will reduce the effect of them but you, like you said you can't eliminate them it's just this inherent thing that's always going to be there and you know we have limitations on our cognitive bandwidth on our uh on our hardware so to speak like there's limits to attention there's we're wired a certain way um and so you're always going to have these biases. And so it is this constant battle of like, yeah, I have, I have these biases. I have these limitations, but I can't eliminate them either. So it's like, I just kind of have to live with it and recognize when I've kind of fucked up when I didn't want to. And it's like a weird thing, but you know, you tied it into the mindfulness as well. And that I've always described that as something that just gives you space. It gives you enough space to actually recognize when you are falling for those biases or I don't know, just like observing that you did something, even if you have no control over it, it's like, Hey, I recognize that I did that. And it wasn't just a mindless thing that happened without me even realizing. So it's interesting. Um, I was listening to, what was it? Uh, Tim Ferriss podcast with, uh, Yuval Harari. Yeah. Yeah. Big wrote, fan of Yuval. Yeah. So he wrote sapiens for anyone listening who doesn't know, uh, and a couple other books as well. But it struck me because he said he's actually been meditating for two hours daily for like mm, 20 yeah. years or something. And he said he couldn't have written these books without that practice. And so he meditates two hours daily and then he goes on a retreat every year. And sometimes he does a 60 day retreat. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, holy shit. And, you know, as someone who's just like been writing a book, like, you know how uh, intense that can be and how much time it takes, but he still finds the time and, and finds it in fact, impossible to do the writing without doing the meditation in the first place. So I found that mega interesting. And I think it's an area that I'm actually lagging a fair bit on. I, I don't make enough time for that sort of stuff. It's easy for me to fall into like periods of it and then yeah, dropping it and then you're a fair yeah. weather meditator. I, I really am. I have to like yeah. work hard to overcome that initial inertia to get into it again. And I do that often, <laughs> like way more often than I should. It's easy to just stick with it. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny how that stuff like popped up quite a lot recently. All those things you just spoke about. Yeah. I, um, I heard that interview and, and I know exactly the, the you know, I'm, I know exactly the conversation you're talking about. And, Yuval is such an interesting person. And I think he's, he represents something in all of us that, or he represents something to all of us that I, I think is important to sort of extract. And that's sort of the lost art of true productivity and the lost art of setting yourself up for the sprint. Um, <clears throat> and I, I joke with my, with my wife that, um, you know, this book has been a sprint, but it's been a sprint marathon and or a sprint triathlon you know it's 
it's been one of those things that yes, it's a sprint. It's within the category of the continuum of a sprint, but it's taking ages and it's it seemingly never stops. And I'm like, well, I'm just running a sprint marathon. You know, I thought this was going to be a sprint. They told me a certain deadline. They sold like it goes to print here, which is sort of true, but also it's been extended and then, you know, it's changed and we're still on track, but are we, you know, it's, it's instead of getting it all done and then it goes to be proofread and, and, published or to the print now it's being done in batches now that's been extended you know it's different you know it changes um but i I think yuval like really represents something there and and you know an analogy i i make commonly just to myself more or less is sort of frame things in in the mindset of just being a better sprinter where you know or or visualizing um Another good sort of lateral way to think about this is, or a good analogy I've heard in the past as well, is the art of productivity. If you look at like a lion, for example, right? We'd never say a lion is unproductive. A lion sleeps 15 to 18 hours a day, but is one of the most prolific of its kind. It is the most prolific of its kind, right? So it's like, would you look at a lion in the face and say, you're fucking lazy, man. Like you just, you're so unproductive. Like you just need to, you need to be better. And it's like this healthy, ferocious lion who's, you know, I don't even know how much they weigh, but you know, this healthy, ferocious lion that's staring in the face, you know, uh, grinning its teeth and, and growling at you is like, what are you talking about? Like I'm in no way unproductive and I, I still sleep 18 hours a day. Right. And but when they when they're on the hunt, they're productive, they're focused, they're 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 mindful, and their ability to sort of cultivate this focus and mindfulness and to the task is into a sprint itself, right? In terms of a daily timeline, is something to take away, and that's something sort of I extract from Yaval is like, and what we always hear, right? You'll always kind of hear the cliche of, "Don't be busy, be productive." Right. And I, I think when we're a bit lost and I know when I right, and I'm not going to project here, I, I'm going to project, but I'm not going to sort of label others here because I'm going to morally speak honest on myself. Cause I, I have that experience. The more I have on my mind and the more I have to do, the busier I become, not necessarily more productive. I become the busier I become. Right. And busy is a decision. And I forget, I'm quoting someone there and I forget who, but I read it out of the tribe of mentors from Tim Ferriss and, you know, busy is a decision. So anytime that we're like, no, I'm too busy or I'm, oh, I'm so busy. I can't do that. You know, like, like something like, you know, mindfulness or, or meditation practice or, you know, your training or giving a fuck about your nutrition or, or whatever it is. Right. Um, or anything, right. Uh, doing something sweet for your your significant other or taking a walk or you know just allowing yourself some space you're not too busy to do that like in no way are you too busy to do that like I, I there's people on this earth who are too busy and don't have an option and you're not one of them if you're listening to this you're not one of them um and so i think it's reframing that and, and becoming better sprinters uh and I, I think you know there's there's people who are are great at marathons. I've always been good at sprinting, like in the, um, it's just why I think about it like this, because I've always been a sprinter more, you built fast twitch and, um, anything over six reps is 
an oxidative stress on my system um, sort of thing. And like in, in sixth grade, I, I, I won the city um, 50 meter sprint. I'm just quick and get you up know, to the point and like, but after that I'm fucked, <laughs> you know, like I'm, it's over for me. Um, I did run the 200 meter, which was seemingly forever, which probably felt like a normal 800 to some other folks. So, um, and so that, that that's the way I think. And, and it's, I think it frames well in my mind that way. So, you know, taking that and sort of extracting from Yuval, I, I think being able to sort of take a step back and spend more time doing things that, you know, index with a high ROI, like reading, like a meditation practice or, or just any sort of mindfulness, um, your, your exercise, uh, you know, investing a lot of, and this is kind of what I'm, I'm really focusing on. I'm trying to focus on more and more, um, as I allowed myself to kind of get out of shape here, um, over the past six months, I've really tried to get back into shape slowly, uh, and progressively. And it's, it's been, it's been working. It's obviously nonlinear like everyone's is, but it's, 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 a tr- it's trending well, um, or I'm definitely better off than I was. I'll say that. Um, but I, I'm trying to focus more and more on spending as least amount of time doing the things I need to do as possible. Right. So if I wake up, have coffee, I spend the first hour of the day reading. And then let's say I spend the next 30 minutes, uh, in a meditation or just allowing myself to sort of practice that, that mindfulness. And then I'll do a small batch of emails and then I'll go to the gym. And so like by the, by the time my day's over, let's say I've worked, you know, I'm, I have a luxury of doing this, but I'd much rather spend a, have a four hour work day that was just really, really productive. And I feel so much better about that than sitting in front of my computer for 10 hours and just getting the same amount of work done. And I know we don't have the, the same option. And when I was writing my book, like I had 12, 14 hour days of writing because I was, I had to spend so much time reading research that I hadn't read yet. Um, and I had to spend so much time laying out outlines and, and all of this other stuff. Right. And then just the bulk of writing the book was so much time in front of a screen and sitting down. And, um, but now that since I have an option again, I, I am trying to set up my day to where the time I have has to be spent doing exactly what I need to be doing or else I know for a fact I can't get it done and not feeling that not feeling. And this is the important bit. I, I think that's really, really important feeling that other time with things that, you know, are good for you. Like, like reading, like a, like a practice of some kind of mindfulness or whatever you're into, um, you know, your exercise, you know, spend spending a good chunk of, for me, spending a good chunk of my day, walking to the gym, uh, getting a really good workout in walking back home, sitting down for a, a meal that I know is high in, in nutrients. And it, I feel like I'm just taking a break from the day. Like all those things are really important to me and, and do seem to really, really help me and how I sort of tick. Um, and the more I sort of get caught up in the hustle and bustle of, of I know I got to clock in, you know, 10 hours today. It's like, I already, if my day starts like that, I'm already, I'm already going to fail on that. Yeah. Uh, definitely agree with that. You know, I started thinking about this recently because of 
Yeah, there's just always a lot of shit to manage when you run your own business. And I was talking about it with funny a bit more because I'm definitely someone who feels like if I'm not busy or if I'm not doing something, I, I really, really struggle with that. Like she said to me, oh, do you ever think you'll take, like have a day completely off or like take a weekend where you don't work? And I was just like unfathomable to me. I was like, no. I get that question no weekly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just like, nah, but I do think that there's ways you can do things that are far more productive. And I'm working a lot more on this now where like, if there's something you're doing, I mean, it seems obvious, but you go deep on that for that period of time and then pull yourself out of it as well. So it's like either you're deep in it or you're not doing it. Um, And the reason why I bring that up is because obviously a lot of what we're doing all the time is stuff like, you know, answering emails or social media and things like that. And the way that social media tends to work is that it's like surface attention, but, but it's constant. It's like, you're constantly sort of skipping across the surface. So I don't know if you, I'm sure there's people listening who do this as well. I have this little, you know, tap dance that I do, which is like Instagram, Facebook, email. And then there's nothing really new that I can do with that right now right this second. So like I get back to doing whatever I'm doing and then I do the same dance again, five minutes later. And it's like, dude, every time you do that, you're not getting deep enough in to answer those like fucking 30 DMS that you're putting off getting back to in your Instagram uh, inbox. You know, there's like 20 client emails, but you can't reply to them right now because you're out shopping or something, you know? And so it's just like, dude, if you just take 45 minutes, once and answer all those emails or 45 minutes once and do all those DMS, then it's done. And then you don't have to skip across the surface constantly with it all the time and get actually nothing done with it at all. And you know, that is super obvious, but it's like, you really have to look at yourself critically and be like, you know what, you can't let this go on right now. You know that you shouldn't be doing this. You know that there's a more productive, effective way of doing it but you're letting yourself fall into the trap as well. And so again, I think I spoke, I said it before, there's like this upfront investment of like willpower and efforts to break the inertia. And then once you're over that hill, it just works so much better. So it's something that I'm working pretty hard on at the moment. Uh, and it's, it's working really well. Um, but then I run into that trap of being like, Oh, I have spare time now. Like, you just invent shit to do to fill the time because you I feel like I create so many projects you know, for myself. It's ridiculous. I'm like, Oh, we could do this. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to create this whole new brand. And it's like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Like just take a break, take a walk, do something. And on your note of taking like days off and, and our significant, our partners, uh, sort of, uh, prying at the the notion of like are you going to take a day off here and i have gotten better about that i really have um i I really have because and and i go through again i go through these periods of time where i i do recluse i get really quiet um and it's typically when i'm really introspective and i'm really trying to think through something and i'm trying to take a step back and, and really not only see the big picture but i'm almost like if you're if we're alongside like that hiking metaphor we used earlier, I'm constant. I'm like, I've almost started my ascent, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm trudging up this mountain. And if you, 
if anyone listening's ever done like a 14er or like a really intense hike or hell if you've done like kilimanjaro that's like nineteen thousand feet or something i don't know what it is in meters sorry guys <clears throat> um but you know you're just one foot in front of the other and you're just your head is down you're just being beaten down i was i'm not good at this stuff but i was just being beaten down by this hike right beaten down by the elevation my you know my breath's just keep getting uh more shallow and short which is not conducive to the accumulating fatigue that my body is trying to the, the accumulating oxygen deficit that my body's trying to deal with. Um, but what I basically, I almost see these times as when I recluse and get really quiet and just kind of need to, I need to take a step back is there's a time where I just need to go on a hike. Like I'm just hiking. I'm, I'm like this mental hike and I don't know how tall you know, some mountains, some hikes are, are taller than others, right? Some hikes may be, it may be a short day hike. It may be a short hike that's like a couple hours. Um, I may need some weeks to do this, um, right? And sometimes I need weeks. Sometimes it takes a month for me to work through something that I need to work through. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of come up in and out of periods where I'll be quiet and I'll, I'll and when I say quiet, like uh, <laughs> um, I may say like, 50 words in a day like I just get quiet um like if my wife and I go on like a we go on an hour-long walk and I'll say like three words and it's just like I I get really really quiet and I'm just trying to think through something and I can't necessarily I'm I'm someone who ruminates on a lot and it's not necessarily a positive thing and I, I recognize that especially the things I tend to ruminate on because a lot of them are sort of out of my control. And I, I again, as, as much as you're aware of that, you, it's really hard to separate from. Um, but on that point, basically, uh, you know, there are times where I have to take a step back and I, I've gotten better at taking days off, which has helped, right? And that, that sort of, it's helped me work through some of these things because, and it's helped having like a house. Um, it has, it, it really helps having something to take care of. Um, you know, I'm not a parent. I, I'm not, I'm not someone, I don't have animals. Um, you know, and, and when I was living in like an apartment and I was renting, it was hard for me to detach because it's like, well, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't, I can't do anything. I can't mow a yard. Um, I can't trim my hedges. I, I can't, you know, pull weeds. I can't do anything. Like, I don't know what to do. And I'm not going to do that for the apartment complex because I already paid them to do it for us you know, you know, I already pay the, the community fee, the HOA fee or whatever to, to, for them to do it. So it's like, and then that's just insane. If you, you know, pull your complexes weeds, like you're <laughs> don't do that. Um, but you know, I, it, these, these times of these chunks of, uh, having days off has helped me recently because I'm in one of those hiking periods, right. I'm in, in one of those periods where I, I am, sort of quiet i'm sort of trudging up the mountain currently and i'm trying to get to a better vantage point for myself to to sort of look at things um, and evaluate what do i want with you know after finishing this book you know i am a different person not for doing it the book but i'm a different person than i was a year ago i'm a different person than i was bef before this pandemic started you know i'm a different i, I subconsciously i i know <clears throat> there are things that i i sort of and, and sort of striving to, to accomplish, but I can't necessarily pinpoint them. But consciously, I am sort of falling back on old goals, 
I'm falling back on old habits. I'm falling back on old priorities. And I need to get to this sort of vantage point for myself, or at least I, this is my process where I get to the new, I get to sort of this vantage point where I'm able to sort of look over it and come to a sort of resolution um, and sort of recalibrate that and understand like, okay, where am I going? Where am I headed? Again, like going back to the conversation that uh, you Lyndon and myself had is like, where's the horizon and how far off track am I? You know, I got to take some steps back here. You know, if I'm, I'm heading in the right direction, but I'm not quite sure, or if I'm, I'm heading kind of in the right direction, I got to, I got to climb this mountain, right? I got to climb this mountain over this next week just to get to a vantage point where I can just, I, I need to be sure. Cause I, I don't know how I don't, I'd much rather take a week to do that than just trudge on blindly and look up a year from now and just be like, dude, all I just, what did I just do with the last 12 months? You know, or you create a monster, right? And that we've talked about this personally, you know, your efforts obviously are going to lead to something. Um, so you have to almost be intentional and, and the more successful things come or the more attention you get or whatever, you, you have to be more and more careful with where you place those intentions. And it's very easy. And I've done this over the years. It's very easy to create a monster you never meant to create. And so it's, and then you have to almost relearn how to sort of deal with the monster you've created. Do I just get rid of it? Do I, do I, I need to somehow use this productively. I know that, but I don't know how. Um, and so I have gotten better at taking those days off and it, it does help having something to take care of. Like, you know, our house has, um, it's a stone house, but it does have some siding on it. And, you know, I have I spent the day the other day scrubbing the siding, right? I ordered this nice long pole that, that helps me scrub the siding. And then I, you know, I got my white vinegar and, and my uh, car wash soap or dish soap and um, got the right uh, blend of water and, and all of that stuff and just spent hours just scrubbing siding. And it's just like, and then I mowed the yard and then I was able to do, you know, it's it just things like that allow me to detach, but it, it is hard if you don't have something to take care of. And I think this is really where we yearn for things you know, I don't have children. I don't know if I'll have children. I can't say that, but we do kind of yearn for this, this kinship. We yearn for this sort of sense of taking care of something, this community, whatever it is. And, you know, for some people it's animals, for some people it's children and, or it's something you own, right? Like it's in times like this, I'll, I'll wash my car like three times in a week. It's like, it's clean, but I just, I need to, take care of something. I'll, I'll vacuum it out when it's already vacuumed. Like, I don't know what to do with myself, but I know I can't sit in front of my computer or sit on my phone anymore. So, and I don't want to just go walk around aimlessly. So it's like, I got to do something. Right. So. I mean, the walking around aimlessly is a really good analogy. I'm sure a lot of people out there who count their steps and they know that walking around the neighborhood for the pure purpose of accumulating steps is not that fun, but when you've got somewhere to go, Hey, get a bit of purpose there and it definitely helps uh you know it's it's interesting that way and um something that we've definitely experienced here with with the sort of impermanence of our situation it's been pretty interesting you know like i don't know i guess you kind of imagine when you move somewhere else that you know there will be 
lots of those things to do to keep you occupied to, you know, it, it definitely does make you think about your priorities and what's important. And, and one of the things that we've been missing is social connection, but it's been very difficult during the time of a pandemic to like go out to restaurants and make friends because it's locked down. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, there's that. And then you, you end up, uh, we're in a place that, that, I mean, we're in a cool neighborhood and, and we've got a nice place and stuff, but it's like, it's a furnished house full of cheap furniture that we don't, it's not our taste. We don't really like, you know, we're not going to go out and buy furniture because we don't think we're going to be here that long. And I know exactly what you mean. It's this weird thing where you kind of go like, yeah, I, I don't have anything here to take care of, to distract me really, or like not distract, but like to keep yourself busy while you, you work through things like that. So it's been a bit of a weird experience where you kind of feel like if you do have that spare time, uh, you know, feel a little bit displaced regardless. And so, I don't know, it's just odd where I think if we were back in Sydney, it would be something where we could spend a bit more time in our local community. We could spend a bit more time making those connections or um, focusing on other areas of well-being that are obviously super important, like community and relationships and, and that kind of thing. Um, but it's been a challenge in its own right, just to, just to get those basic needs met while we've been over here, uh, in the Netherlands. And, you know, there's a lot of aspects of life that's, that's pretty great here, but it's making me a little envious that you've got this, you know, you've got the yard work that you can do. Uh, and I think it's an interesting perspective that you, that you brought up, like, having animals or kids or a house that you, you you've got housework or maintenance or whatever to do. And often people are trying to get rid of those responsibilities, but in a way it's something that's provided you the opportunity to have the space to like do some thinking and have some time alone. And it, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, the uh, like the Japanese kind of breaking sand Zen yeah. type of thing. Right. It's like, it's just something to keep you occupied. It's that repetition that allows this sort of thinking to occur. It's a, it's a pretty cool idea. It's something that I haven't thought that much about, but uh, interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, man. It's, I think we all sort of yearn to take care of something. And I think that's sort of a biological drive that, that makes sense in all of this. Um, and to establish community and, and higher senses of well-being with our social relationships, our personal, you know, uh, whether that's a love relationship or social sort of friend relationships or, or whatever. And I think, um, I think we do really yearn for, for something to take care of. And when I, and it, it's hard with spare time, right? Like it's such a luxury and you're like, well, damn it. Why are you so combative to this spare time? Cause what a luxury! like if you're looking at the top 1% of, of the world of, luxuries like spare times up there like you have any spare time whatsoever and you have the money to, to do anything or you have you have enough money at least to pay your bills to where you're not spending that spare time just wondering like how am I going to pay this bill um you know that's you're up there man you're up there and so even in developed countries like you're up there so it's just it's such an interesting thing that we some we you know there's just because it's it's not a big problem doesn't mean it's not a problem right because it's just, because it's a first world problem doesn't mean it's not a problem um that we have to sort of how do we deal with this and it's not like 
you know, we're not searching for, we're not uh, trying to, to know if we're going to make it till tomorrow, but we, <clears throat> we are trying to keep our sanity and our, our well-being as high as it can be. And there are a lot of sort of, there are a lot of positives to, to our civilized lives that we live, but there are a lot of drawbacks and where I, I think we're still very biologically lost and not understanding how to handle what the fuck's going on. You know, not even within a, a pandemic situation, like in general, like not how, ha- like how, but having the spare time that also doesn't align with, with what our bio, like what our biological needs are with that social connection, community, um, purpose towards or taking care of something. Uh, you know, we know a lot of sort of hunter gatherer tribes and, and all of that stuff. Like they do have a, a larger amount of, of spare time typically, but there's a lot to sort of, not there's a lot to do, but there's a lot to do. There's a lot to biologically do, right? There's a lot to physically do. There's a lot to, to socially do. Um, there, there was, and there, I'm sure there is in those co-evolved hunter gatherer tribes that still do exist. And so I don't know, man. And I'm just, I'm thinking out loud here, but something to me, it feels like this is sort of like a, a lost connection of, of where our biology sort of yearns for something that we're missing in our, in our very civilized lives that are extremely fortunate and filled with so much pleasure and, and filled with so much distraction and, and def- fulfilling things, but fulfilling in, in what way, you know, in short term sort of quick hit sort of ways. Um, you know, and I, I think that's where, honestly, I, I think that's where children come into play. That's where things come into play that you really take care of and you're investing into that, you know, that's where it really starts to, to really make sense to me. Um, as far as all that stuff goes is you, it's time well spent. You know, you, you may think you're not doing anything, but time well spent because you're spending that time with other, another life. You're spending that time developing another another mind, another brain that's going to go out into the world. It's going to have similar problems or different, I mean, different problems, but still somewhat similar problems, um, depending on where this world heads. But I think that's too, like looking at spare time, I think that's kind of what I intend or try to do. And I, you know, if we're extracting kind of what Yuval does, limiting your spare time, not by producing more, but limiting your spare time by doing more with yourself, you know, uh, spend more time. And this is what I've tried to kind of do. And this is when I, when I've thought about this for, you know, it's kind of like one of my hikes, if you will, like I've just really wrestled with this. Why like I'm, I have so many great things, but like, why am I still sort of dissatisfied in this, in this corner of my life, this corner of the room? I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not satisfied with what's going on in this corner of the room. Um, to, to kind of draw back to our analogy earlier. And there's a lot to be grateful for in that corner, but there's so much in that corner still that I'm just like, this isn't, this isn't where it needs to be for me. Um, and so when I, when I sort of think about that stuff and when I've thought about it, that's where I almost come to, how can I spend more time doing stuff? Like I've noticed more and more too, like the more self-awareness I've accumulated and the more time I've spent really thinking about these things and considering these things, I'm, I'm physically a very high 
energy person, but in a weird way. Like I am a master conservation. I'm a, I'm a master of conserving energy. Like I was, I was talking to Cass about this yesterday. I was like, I am like, I really do think I'm, I'm biologically pretty well set based off our, our old living habits. Like I'm physically equipped. I'm able, I'm, I'm fast. I'm strong. Um, I'm creative in, in solving problems. Like, and I'm a master at conserving energy. Like I have no problem sitting around. I have no problem at all conserving all the energy in the world. But what my body does have a problem with is in those times where I'm not just sort of having productive downtime of conserving energy. If I'm not highly, if I'm not exerting myself like at a high rate physically or mentally, by the end of the day, I, this is where I think a lot of my sleep problems came from and, and do come from. Um, and I notice more and more a correlation between the less I physically exert myself, the less my daily activity and the less my mental activity in a day, the harder time I have sleeping or I'll sleep until like last night's a great example of this. I slept from 10 to 1:45 in the morning. Beautiful, right? Amazing feeling to wake up. I was up till four in the morning and I magically fell back, <laughs> magically fell back asleep from four to like seven 30. What a great night of sleep. Right. And I'm very, I'm, and I have talked to you about these things uh, in the past and, you know, I've spent months on months on months in that trend. Right. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've not spent the last few months doing that, but there are those nights and those sort of days that sort of piece together that that still does happen to me. And I'm trying to figure it out. I, I really am. And, and it's, it's frustrating. Cause like, I know a lot about the system. I know a lot about the physiology. I know a lot about what I need to be doing, but I, I just can't seem to put it together. And my body's sort of resisting my efforts. Um, but I, I think in a large part, I'm overcomplicating what needs to be done. And, <coughs> excuse me, setting up my day where I am just constantly, I'm constantly doing something but it doesn't have to, it's not constant work. It's those, it's these short sprints of work that by the end of the day, hopefully, you know, I, I'm depending on what I have to do in the day. You know, if there, there are days, fortunately that I, all right, if I'm productive in these three hours, I'm done, like truthfully done. But with the sort of the nature of our work, I can't always determine when those hours are going to be right. Cause like people send check-ins in at different times and I have to sort of wait to get a large enough batch of check-ins in before I sit down and productively go through them. Um, and so I'm not always like, I can't always know at 6 a.m. or 7.30 or, or whatever time is that I can get up and just crank this out. Um, like if I'm programming for clients or something, I, I can do these batches where I'm like, I know I have this many programs to write. Um, I'll take this next two hours, three hours and just crank through the, the next weeks of programs. But um, with, with like things like check-ins and stuff like that, I, you know, you can't do the same thing necessarily. So, <coughs> sorry, I've tickled my throat and, but I'm, I'm trying to fill my time with, with things. And again, more reading, more meditating, more moving, um, a daily dedication to highly being highly physically active. And it's really like what you said earlier, it can be really tough because 10,000 steps, 15,000 steps of aimless walking 
is so boring. It takes forever. And like yesterday I got 12,000 steps and I felt like I was just, I spent all day walking around and I'm just like, where am I going? And I'll turn down different streets. I'm like, oh, I kind of, I haven't been down here in a while. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not even that interested in what I'm looking at. I try to be, and you know, I, this is something that, you know, I've discussed with uh, Lyndon, but he may have been on that conversation as well, but trying to take, uh, like he's trying to, last time I spoke to him, he's trying to take more walks, like very mindful walks where he's noticing, trying to notice different things, um, <clears throat> take notice. And I've never noticed the trim on that house or I've, I've never noticed the detail. And there's a lot of beautiful old homes. Like we live in downtown of the city. We are sort of the downtown-ish of the city we live in, which is a small, smaller town. And so there's a lot of old historic homes that are just beautifully redone and exquisitely painted and the detail and the trim is just like amazing and there's a lot of things to sort of like investigate um <clears throat> but there's only so long you can stare at someone's house so <laughs> without being weird um and so but that only goes so far right that only keeps my mind occupied and so like what you were saying like i remember when we when we first uh had coffee in sydney you know i asked you know i, I obviously you walk there and you're like, oh, it's only like a, you know, it's only like an, an hour long walk or something. You know, that's like, that's like six to 7,000 steps in one go just to get there. So you probably did, you know, 14, 15,000 steps when, when it's all said and done just to come get coffee with me. That doesn't count the rest of your day of what you were doing, right? Totally different if you're like, oh, I'm just going to go walk for the next 75 minutes just so I can get around 7,500 steps. And it's like, dude, there's not enough podcasts in the world to keep my, myself motivated to do that. So I, I just got to get creative with it. And, um, but there's times too, where it just doesn't matter. I have to do it. And that's where I'm sort of getting to where I just, I'm noticing more and more that I have to, I have to wear myself out physically. And then if I think back to like growing up, I was always playing sport, like always, I was always in a sport or if not two sports at once, I, either had something in the morning or it's, I was moving around all day at school. And then, you know, you had like three or four hours of, of running around of practice and, and just being physically exhausted. And you're like, no wonder I, and I didn't drink caffeine. So I'm like, no wonder I slept like a, you know, I slept, I slept like a dream, man. And you go back and you're like, man, I, I wish I could just sleep like I did it when I was a teenager, when I was growing and you, you have these like, you know, 10 hour nights where you're just like, the night goes in like a snap of a finger, you know, you fall asleep at like nine 30 and it's like your alarm goes off at six 30 and you're like, dude, I just fell asleep. But now, you know, I, I, I spend most of my nights awake trying to like coax myself to sleep with like freaking piano lullabies on Spotify, just trying to like keep my mind enough occupied to where I'm just like not staring at my ceiling and been pitch black. So, um, it's weird. It's, it's, it's weird. And I, I think, it's one of my own, it's one of the problems I deal with. And obviously it has a, a large impact on the rest of my life because it revolves around my sleep, which is the master domain of all things in our life. Right. So it's not like, you know, it's not like I have a, you know, I'm dealing with a shoulder thing, but I'm sleeping great. You know, it's like, I'm sleeping like dog shit and I got a hip thing that's bothering the, you know, bothering the shit out of me. So it's just, I, apparently this is like to be, be 27. I don't know. Mate, wait till we get to 32. 
<laughs> oh, fuck that. Yeah. It's, it's the end of the road for me. I think at 30, I think that's just, I've done it. This is it. Uh, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean that uh, I invent shit to go and do so that I can walk there. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. we need some groceries or whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll walk to the grocery store. That's like 45 minutes away. So that I can, you know, go there and do it. But I, I actually think it's a similar thing with the meditation is that I'm trying to manufacture. It's like, okay, it's time for me to like sit down now and meditate. Whereas if you find those other opportunities, you know, if I was commuting, for example, uh, it, it's this weird paradox where exactly like you said, we actually lead a very, very privileged life. And these are definitely first world problems, but problems nonetheless. And uh, you know, if, if I was sitting on a train going into work or something like that, there's nothing else to do like cool that's an easy time to get in 20 minutes of meditation right but since i don't have a commute my commute's from like you know my bedroom like 15 meters that way uh (laughs) you, you have to manufacture these these times to get in that sort of stuff so it's um it's super interesting i mean it's exactly like you said it's one of those things where since since i do more or less set my own schedule i could do 15 minutes of meditation or whatever at any point during the day no matter what but that is ironically what makes it more difficult to actually fit in and actually do on a daily basis uh Mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's a funny thing how it all works out and how structure and limitations and restrictions can ironically be something that makes you much more productive much freer um, yeah. And, and happier in a lot of ways. Like, I just think a lot of us are, um, very much like grass is greener sometimes where it's like, I think probably even glimpsing the, the work from home potential with, with the pandemic and that sort of stuff. Like, wow, I have so much more free time now. There's so much more stuff I can do. There's more stuff I can achieve. Um, which is certainly true, but you kind of lose sight of the fact that sometimes when you have restrictions or when you have contrast in your life, it's what makes the other side richer or more productive or worth having. Um, so it's a really interesting paradox. Yeah. Life is lived within the mundane. And I, I think that life is lived within the, 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 the daily struggle that you have to sort of get through. And again, struggles contextual there, like daily challenge, if you, if you will. But, um, and I, again, like you said, that that paradox is, is interesting because, you shift the context of, of what that means or what that action is and it's, or the subjectivity of it, it it's altogether different, right? And it's so interesting. Um, but I think this goes back to, to like, if to know true happiness, you know, you need to have true sadness. You need to have experienced what it is to be down, to be able to experience what it is to be truly up, right? And to be, and, and vice versa, right? And, and to be truly sort of free of mind or free of challenge is, is to also, and, and, and sort of allow yourself to just uh, relax. It's, it's, to, it's sort of like by, def, by default, you have to have been rigorously challenged by something, whether it's physical, mental, you know, whatever. It, it's, it's, it gets messy in, in the gray, it gets really messy, especially for me in the middle where it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I got three hours of work today. Be done six to nine, nine to midnight. I don't know what the fuck the rest to do with, uh, to do with the rest of my day. I guess I'll just walk around for an hour, kind of go train, 
I'll cook a meal. That'll be good. Uh, it's 2 p.m. now. Well, if I, maybe I'll, I'll do something here. Well, I'll read for 30 minutes. And it's like, that's great if you have like Sunday off and you've been busy the rest of the week. But when that's your every day, it becomes sort of like a, I got to find some shit to do. I got to figure this out. And <clears throat> that's, the th- that's the biggest thing for me is like, I got to figure this out, man. And the thing is, this isn't my first rodeo. I've been working from home for years. And so it's like, but the, again, the challenges change. And two years ago, like if you're moving the needle in the direction you, you'd like, and you're progressing towards the thing you'd like to accomplish, there's, there, there becomes a point where you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish years ago. Okay. Now what do I do? And you have to make then that's kind of where this goal setting thing comes in and, and trying to be productive with it. Right. And it's not, it's not always a monetary value to me. It's, it's definitely not always a monetary value. And there, there definitely becomes this, this uh, sort of point of diminishing returns and this inverted you of, and of course, I'd like to make, you know, more money or, or be able to be more uh, productive with what I earn or, or whatever it is. But like, there's a point at which I just, I could give a fuck less. Like if I don't make any more money, like a, in a, a year, my whole life, like whatever, but I, I hope I get better at fulfilling my time I have to do that, that thing. Right. And there's a big difference. Like, like you were saying, when you're the busiest you've ever been, my wife and I was always talk about this. Like when I was, when I was in, in university, I was full-time student. I was working part-time. Uh, I was competing full-time and I was trying to build this online business. Right the busiest person ever, like sun up to sundown. I may get four or five hours of sleep and I'm just, I'm revved. I'm like, I got so much to do. I got to get up. I got to shower. I got to get to the class. It's like 30 minute drive, 40 minute drive. All right. I'll be there this time. I got a ch- I got 30 minutes here. I'll answer some emails. I'll try to build out this template. All right. Now I'm off to work. You know, this next six hours is going to be spent manning a desk at a gym. Right. I did that for like six years. That's going to, and then I know four or five, four to five to six hours of of that day is going to be manning a, manning the desk at a gym, which in a shift, I'm probably getting like 15,000, 20,000 steps in that six hours, right? I'm just constantly moving. I'm picking up weights. I'm physically exhausting myself. And then when I get home, I got some, I got some homework to do. And then it repeats, but I've never been more driven and focused and, and understanding of what my prime goal was in that time. And I I think we get ourselves into trouble at realizing that, but we then fill the void with meaningless shit, more scrolling time, more time doing things that aren't going to, going to index well for us in the long run. And to be honest, I, there was a large component of like me working the the desk at a gym. I got paid nothing like minimum wage in, in the U S 725, like you get paid nothing. And by the time taxes and social security are taken out, you just wasted all of your time. Like, especially if you have another way to make, make money. Right. Um, and so even knowing that, even when the online business was making enough money to where I knew I could quit that job and I did quit the job. And then I ended up working at a hospital under a dietitian. That's when I was studying dietetics and I did that job. And, and all of these things led me to basically being solely able to to work on the online business whilst finishing up school 
And I did love the spare time because that allowed me to or or spend more time with my family or um, my partner or whatever it was. But I ended up, the ironic thing is, I ended up begging for my, my gym job back. I didn't need the money. I got really lonely because I'm not a, I'm not a conversationalist when it comes to like sitting in class and being friends with the, the person next to me or shooting the shit after, after class or like, Hey, man, let's go get a bite to eat. I went to a commuter college um, for most of my college experience. And so no one stuck around. Like, as soon as class was over, everyone dipped out. Like, no one was hanging around. And so I got pretty lonely because I was, I would, you know, I'd get my workout in, go to class all day. And I basically just come home and I'm just like, uh, I don't know what to do. You know, like, I just, I don't know what to do. And I guess I'll go work out again. And then, you know, everyone at the gym wasn't really that social who was training because, you know, they're trying to get stuff done and they're trying to work out. But there was some social aspect to it, which I do miss. But, but I, there was so much, right? I was almost guaranteed. And I, I, I was able to strategically pick shifts where I, I was going to be there with people I enjoyed having conversations with. And so I'd work 24 hours a week, 20 hours a week at this gym, knowingly, knowing that I wasn't going to make any money really. But purely, I spent 20 hours a week cleaning toilets and, and picking up weights and, and refilling toilet paper and paper towels and cleaning the, the counters and the floors and mopping and all of this stuff because it was guaranteed social time for me. And it was very fulfilling. And I, I didn't know it was fulfilling until I had lost it. Like I didn't know until, and this is kind of the point of the, the story, is like you don't know the gift of those daily challenges until you, they're not there anymore. And then now I, I feel like I'm just fighting tooth and nail to sort of create new challenges. But now in, in the business world that we're in or, or doing what we do, we're sort of always fighting the expectation of, whether it's trying to, to improve ourselves on our social hierarchy or our monetary hierarchy or whatever it is, it's like the, you get to a point where you're just like, and I know between you and I, it's just like, I don't care. You know, like if it happens, it happens. But like, I, that can't be my goal because I don't care enough about the goal to get it done. And I'm going to sit here and just continuously like not care enough to get it done. And so what am I, you know, and it's, it's, currently trying to figure out how to fill the days, how to, how to do the thing and how to live, a, you know, a fulfilling life. That's, it's high in well-being. Um, and it's trying to be more social. It's trying to be more mindful of moments you do have. So maybe that's for me, that's been more time reading. It's been more time being physically active and high, like physically exerting myself to the point where, you know, like I, I'm doing cardio sessions that I never otherwise would have done in the past because I gotta, I gotta wear myself out. You know, I gotta, I gotta wear myself out. I know I do if I'm gonna get any semblance of a average night of sleep at this point, which it just is what it is. And you know, that's cooking more meals from scratch. That's cooking more. Um, you know, it's playing cards. It's, it, it's being uh, spending more time meditating or whatever it is. It's, it's trying to craft or design the day. And for me, like it's not designing a day where how can I leverage my day to where I get all my meals delivered? How can I maximize time worked? How can I, how can I hack this day to do a 12 hour day where everything else is taken care of for me? I think you're right. Everyone's got their own, uh, to, you know, definition of to steal, uh, the sort of phrase winning the day, you know, is like my big thing. 
just win yeah. the day. And that's going to be different probably every day, but it's going to be different for every person as well. And um, I think that's the most important thing, right? Uh, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of the coaching I do with my clients, the check-in questions have moved slowly from like, you know, did your training performance improve? And like, did you do all your sessions yeah. and all this type of stuff? It's moved to like, what did you do well this week? And that sort of thing and getting them to recognize like, Hey, actually me doing this small thing, like that was my win for the day, you know, and, and literally the, the work is getting them to recognize it. They're actually, they're already doing it. It's like, you know, I'm not trying to get them to do something that they're not already doing. It's just getting them to recognize that like, Hey, actually I'm doing all the right shit here and I'm moving in the right direction, you know, um, which is, like that's super interesting. I guess we have a, a, a negativity bias where we focus on the negative things, right? But um, but negativity bias and high level of dissonance, yeah, right, exactly, which yeah. is like the worst combination of trying to feel good about yourself, you know. Um, <laughs> all right, it's like one of the worst combinations of of high well sense of well being and and feeling good about yourself. And I think that's understanding the the negativity bias and, and cognitive dissonance to the point where understand that you're gonna you're gonna focus on the worst thing that just happened um and like the 99 good comments but the one bad one is keeping you up at night and are the the 20 clients that are, are doing so well they're super happy they're just getting back to you but you're focusing on that one that was just like this is such a waste of money i don't know why i hired you and whatever right it's like you know, you focus on that. You, you, you ruminate on that. You just, you harbor on that and understanding too, like the dissonance aspect of <clears throat> how much lack of self-awareness we think we have or the, the lack, this lack of self-awareness that we have or um, to truly recognize in the moment how we're living life. Um, right. It, it's sort of like you calling someone out or making fun of someone but you're talking to someone who also knows you do that too. And they're like, fuck are you talking about? You just like, you're making fun of yourself. And I, I like, and again, like one, getting rid of that, rid of that toxic language in your life, I, I think is a, a massive plus. Like one of the best things I've, I've worked on for myself um, over the years is getting rid of that in my life. Like just not even participating. And in large part when like if others are on like and you'll notice like when you're around certain people certain people thrive off gossip and thrive which is, is biological and they thrive off sort of poking fun or taking the worst parts of other people's lives and, and sort of exacerbating them to to make them feel better in the moment and we all know this happens right we all do have done it in our lives and one of the best things i've done for myself is not even participating like i'm not even a part of that conversation i don't want to participate like if you, I'm not going to make you feel bad about yourself unless you feel bad about me not participating because then it makes you sort of turns the mirror back on you and allows you to see that this is not good behavior and it's not going to make you feel better. And also there's that dissonance to you're explaining yourself, but you know, I, I'm not going to sit there and tell someone that necessarily unless they're, they're a close friend, but um, it, it's just, it's a tough thing. And I think, yeah, one of the best things I've done is try to um, try to get rid of that toxicity in my life. And it's if you do it or you catch yourself doing it, really try and, and to get away from it. 
because it's definitely a, a way to boost your well-being and just harbor just sort of cultivate a better sense of self-talk and um, highlighting better things that are going on in your day or in your life that don't focus on so many negatives or things that you'd never say to someone's face. Um, right. And I, I just, I feel deeply like if I do say something to someone that I know it's never going to get back to them. The first thing, the first thought in my mind is, Oh my God, like what if they heard me say that? Like, what would they think? How would they feel if they heard me say that? And I'm just like, that's a terrible feeling. And I just don't want that in my life at all. And it kind of like, I recently read the book, um, lying by, by Sam Harris. And, you know, it's, there was a line in there that really struck was, it's a simple line, but it was, I'd rather be dishonest than lie. Or I would rather be, I would rather be rude than be dishonest. Sorry. I totally fucked that up. That's why I don't quote people. Um, I'd rather be rude than dishonest. And I've definitely been rude in my life, but it's to the point of not wanting to be dishonest. And there's obviously a continuum of winner. It's a good book if you haven't listened. It's like a, if you would listen to it, it's like an hour listen. It's very short, um, but it's a good book nonetheless. But it definitely brings up a lot of thoughts in terms of how much are you lying throughout your day and who are you lying to and how and how productive is that? And, and what does that do to your social relationship to them and their trust in you and your trust in them and, and whatever else. And if there's, I've always been, I've, I'm a, I've known as more or less in my, throughout my life, but more social socially is like just very honest and blunt. And, and I've definitely refined it over the years. Like it, it was to the point where I used to be an asshole, like without trying to be like, I was just honest to the point to the, to a fault. And I learned that, well, that's not very productive either. Like I need to make, this person feel good in the situation how can i intelligently not lie like how can i intelligently approach your question in a place where i just so almost subvert the true answer to this question or, or how how well do i know you right like you know x y and z it's like well with quick thought like why are you asking me this you know like why do you want me to answer this because why you want me to answer this and why you're asking this is going to really impact my my answer here and how well I know you am I even qualified to answer this question should I answer just very generally which is typically what I do I just answer questions very generally and you can take what you from that what you will um and I typically don't address the individual if, like if they ask me a question I'm just typically like well I, I just more or less I think of that as like this you know and I don't know where you fall here but this is kind of where I fall and you know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but hopefully it helps. And it's like, I'm trying to be as vague as possible, but I, I just truthfully don't want to lie or be dishonest because that ends up just hurting everyone in the long run. And just, can just strips away um, that social fabric we all sort of rely on. Um, but it kind of comes back, like, I guess it's this, this started, this segment started with, with negativity bias and, and cognitive dissonance. And recognizing those things is is very important i think um to at least be able to so if you're able to this is where mindfulness comes into me for me right this is where the space comes in so understanding negativity bias and understanding this dissonance we all we all experience the mindfulness allows that space to then evaluate it allows a vantage point and that's all it, that's all it is for me at this point 
right? I, I don't have any, I don't have a psychedelic experience. I don't have like this sort of trance of, of you know, there's, there's a point where I was like, the, the only time it's happened like twice to me. Um, and it was during a loving kindness meditation where I noticed myself, like I was smiling, like with my eyes closed, like, you know, you're going through your breath work and you're, you're, you're you know, you're doing loving kindness. If you've never done loving kindness meditation, if you're someone who typically just like by default is somewhat negative, try it. Like it opens your sort of just, it opens your mind and your heart to, to allow those feelings to come in. And that was like, I woke, like I going into this, those sessions, like 15 minute sessions, like I was both times I was like, I'm pretty tired. Like, so I was writing my book and I was like, I'm just fatigued, man. I'm just, I got, I need some sleep. And I couldn't find sleep. So I'm just like, I'm just constantly tired. <laughs> um, and trying not to like over intake caffeine or whatever. And I got up from those sessions like energized, but in a different way. Um, and But anyways, like, so if you haven't tried that, try it because it's worth exploring. But um, it sounds cheesy, but just trust me. Um, but yeah, I, the space there is really what mindfulness does for me. And that's all it does, you know, that's it. And, and to me, that's, that's a huge benefit in my life is allowing that space because without the space you're, you're left with, you're, you're left with emotion and you're left with things that you're not necessarily sort of consciously aware of doing, um, which can absolutely negatively impact your life, especially if it's done over the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I agree. I think it's that space. Uh, it's funny because I think sometimes people imagine that getting good at mindfulness, if that's a thing, um, or good at meditation or going far down that road involves some kind of transcendent experience. And it's really just allowing you to experience reality more fully yeah. and, and just recognizing it as it happens more than anything else which is actually unbelievably helpful, but um, it's transcendent in yeah, its own something right. That I need right? to work on uh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, absolutely. It's no absolutely. psychedelic experience, but it's, it's transcendent nonetheless. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not quite the same, but um, yeah, man. Uh, cool, dude. I think we might uh, leave it there. Could you uh, give your socials website, all that sort of stuff. And then, I'll hit stop on the record and we'll chat a bit on the other Absolutely, end. man. So I tend to hang out on Instagram, try to do it less, um, but I'm not at the moment achieving that very well. So that's just Austin Current. It's just my name. If you type in Austin, it's typically the first one to pop up with the big beard. That's me. Um, and then website, physiquedevelopment.com. And then we just, uh, Physique Development, we just launched a podcast. Um, that is more training nutrition related, uh, sort of, it's a Q and a based show, uh, that we've enjoyed doing. Um, so that's physique development podcast on all major platforms. And the last thing is just, if you guys enjoyed sort of this nuanced conversation, I have over a hundred hours of conversation just like this on my personal podcast, which is called life beyond fitness, um, in which Luke and I hash it out. He's been on that. He's a resident him and like Lyndon are like residents on that podcast. Uh, it's just a lot of conversations um, with guys like that. And so it's just, it's deep and deeply entrenched in nuance. And 
just talking through these things that we talked about today and trying to sort of work through them personally, um, but on an open sort of open platform and a kind of a, a public space. Um, so that's, that's me, Instagram, um, or the, the podcast platforms or the website physiquedevelopment.com. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you.